as we kick off this new series called Word of God, I wanna read to you what God says about his word in Matthew chapter seven, starting in verse 24. This is what Jesus says. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the same winds blew and beat against that house. And that one fell and great was the fall of it. Great foundations are built on great fundamentals, right, Logan? You guys, in 1961, the first day of the Green Bay Packers training camp, coach Vince Lombardi stood up in front of 38 professional football players, held up a football and said, gentlemen, this is a football. And then he said, now grab your playbooks and go to page one because we're going back to the fundamentals. And everybody in that room laughed. However, over the next seven years, Coach Lombardi went on to win seven. He went on to win two Super Bowls, five NFL championships, and never lost another playoff game. Why? Because good foundations are built on good fundamentals. And so in light of this Word of God series, Red Rocks, this is a Bible. We all ask big questions about it, like what is it? Can I trust it? Does it matter to my life? And in our cultural moment, those questions have never been more important. And in this series called Word of God, we're gonna ask and answer those questions and more in hopes that it makes this book more accessible to you, in hopes that it builds your faith in God and your confidence in scripture, because this is the Word of God. And you guys, we're not just trying to put on good Sunday services here. We're trying to take you on a, a, a journey. That's why I would say to you, man, give this place a year where you really give it a year. Because what we're trying to do even in this series is equip you very intentionally and strategically to be able to experience everything God has for you waiting in the pages of his word, because this is a Bible. And the more you learn it, the more you'll start to love it. The more you start to love it, the more you'll start to live it. And the more you start to live it, the more you will begin to build the foundation of your life. You'll build your life not on the sand, but on the rock, on a foundation that you can trust, the word of God. And so for week one of this series, we're simply just gonna answer this question right here. What is the Bible? That's it. What is the Bible? So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we love you. God, help us learn what the Bible is. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, take a seat. Good to be with you guys today. And first things first, everybody get out your phone and go to your camera app. If you haven't downloaded the Word of God 28-day devotional, it's gonna supplement this series, and it really is amazing. I can say that because I had very little to do with it. Ryan wrote it, and it's so, it is so good. Um, and what you can do is basically uh, uh, for this three-week series on Sundays in here, we're gonna talk about what is the Bible, what is the Word of God, um, but that's what, what's in the Word of God. And you can download the whole 28-day PDF. You can also just register, sign up with your email, and every morning straight to your inbox, we'll send you a chapter to read, a verse to memorize, a prayer to pray, something to think about for the day, and even a family challenge to do at home with your kids. Also that you can take your faith 
at home and in just 10 to 15 minutes a day, you can know God and you can live on purpose. And I'm telling you, if you give yourself to this series, by the end of it, not only will you know more about the word of God, you will experience more of the power of the word of God at work in and through your life, amen? You guys, this is a Bible. Today, I wanna give you three things it is and three things it's not. Because the more you know about it, the more you'll get from it. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Number one, the Bible is, first and foremost, the word of God. So the Old Testament, just so you know, page one of your Bible, it begins with the creation account in Genesis. At Red Rocks, we take the Bible incredibly serious, which means we read it the way it deserves and wants to be read as the inspired and errant word of God. And so the beginning of Genesis is not a science textbook. It's got science in it, but it's not a science textbook. You can go, well, I wanna read it that way. Well, if it don't want you to read it that way, it's something better than that, you guys. It is a story that answers life's biggest questions. And here's how it starts. The very first verse says, in the beginning, God created. And by the way, how did God create? He created by speaking. So it was the words of God that turned this dark, formless void of nothingness into this beautifully ordered and organized creation. And then if you flip three quarters of the way through your Bible, the New Testament will begin. And the New Testament starts with the four gospels. If you know them, say them with me. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four biographies of the life of Jesus told from four different vantage points by four different authors. By the way, all of them, a great starting point to start reading your Bible, especially though, John. And John chapter one, verse one begins this way. In the beginning, was the word, and you can't see it right here, but word, that's capital W. And so it's very clear, John is making a parallel to the starting of Genesis. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And so I look at that and go, okay, God is the word, and God is with the word all at the same time. So how is that possible? It's possible because God is a trinity and the word is Jesus. It's Jesus, the king who gets stuff done simply by speaking words. Jesus, the one who was there in the beginning. If you keep going just a few verses in John 1 to verse 14, it says this, the word Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And so what that means is Jesus put on skin and bone, came to this planet in order to become a real and radiant representation of scripture. So Jesus is the word of God. And why is that a big deal? Why is that important and good news? Because the more you get to know your Bible, the more you get to know Jesus. It is penned by man, but it is authored by God. If you keep going a little bit in John, in chapter six, verse 63, Jesus says this, the words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. So to get really nerdy on you just for a second, the word spirit in the Greek is the word pneuma. And the word pneuma basically means the breath and power of God. In other words, when God speaks, the power to fulfill his word comes with his word as a package deal. And that makes this alive. 
This book is alive and active. We get that from Hebrews 4.12 that says, for the word of God is living and active. See, I didn't make that up. Sharper than any two-edged sword. And I love this part. Piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So this isn't a normal book. We're used to picking up books for inspiration, information, and entertainment. And absolutely, you're gonna find all that stuff in here and more. But this is, this is different. This is alive because when you read this, when you read your Bible, your Bible also reads you at the same time. It encourages you, builds you up, blesses you. But then sometimes, man, it just, it gets in you. And sometimes it, it corrects you and, and challenges you because it's not just information. This is revelation, it's alive. That's why you could read one verse today and then two months from now, you could read the exact same verse and all of a sudden something jumps out at you and you go, oh my gosh, that, that's for me. That's because this is alive. That's why two different people will walk out of here today and one will go, oh, that was all right. That was a great, you know, it was a good sermon. The other person might think, oh my gosh, like that, the Holy Spirit just spoke that, that day, this day will change my life. This is because this is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. And in the pages of this book, man, the God of the universe is revealing to you and to me who he is and what he's like and what he's all about. This is the creator telling his creation why he even created us. It's alive. And when you read it, you find yourself in a conversation of sorts with the God of everything who's trying to lead you into the fullness of life that he has for you. He's trying to, to bless you and teach you and, and guide you and correct you and, and forgive you and save you, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart heart, piercing to the division between spirit and soul and bone and joints and marrow. This message goes out. It does not come back void. The Bible is the word of God. Amen. The Bible is the word of God. It is also the story of God. In other words, it's not just a book. The Bible is actually a library of 66 different books written by 39 different authors on three different continents over the period of 1,500 years. And it's full of history and poems and letters and songs and prophecies. And 43% of it is narrative. And the reason for that is because science is showing us that narrative sticks in the human brain more than any other kind of literature. And all of that somehow works together to seamlessly tell one unified story of a creator God who created his creation to live in perfect peace and shalom with each other and with him until humanity chose our way over his, and in doing so, this perfect harmony turned into dissonance, and sin placed this chasm of separation between us and God, and while every other religion is some version of us earning and deserving our way back up the ladder to get to him, Christianity stands apart as the only story crazy enough, illogical enough, unthinkable, and scandalous enough to tell the story of a God 
who came down the ladder for us. The word became flesh, came to this planet, lived a perfect life, all to die a perfect death as the perfect sacrifice in order to perfect some very imperfect people. This is not just a book of things to do and not to do so that one day when you die, you can go here and not there. This is the most epic story that's ever been told. Every other movie, book, sermon, like every other TV series or, or anything like that is simply a shadow of this one story that is the story of unbreakable love and good conquering evil and purpose and calling and sacrifice and adventure and you're written into this thing. Like you're in this and it's not a movie, it's real. It's not just a story, it's the story. And the more this story starts to get in you, the more the pages in this book will start to mean to you. It's when you don't understand the, the story of God. By the way, that's what the Devo is. It's getting the story of God into your substance. It's when you don't understand the story that you oftentimes misconstrue verses in the word of God. For instance, Leviticus 19.28. This will be a little provocative. Okay, here we go. It says this, do not cut your bodies, that's piercings, for the dead. Or put tattoo marks on yourselves, I am the Lord. And Christians have used that to say all tattoos are, are sinful. In fact, my, my good friend Matt Marino, he, he's, a, he's a red rocker. He, he's, he'll sit in the front row at the next service. And he has been gossiped about and pretty harshly critiqued and criticized and judged at previous churches because he's, he's got tattoos on his arms. And I, I go, okay, at first glance of that verse, okay, okay. But remember, there's a story arc to scripture. And if you picked up any storybook and opened it to a random page and read an arbitrary sentence, you would miss the crux because you lack the context. Somebody say context. Here's the context of Leviticus. At that time, for the Israelites, and that's God's chosen people, that's who Leviticus was written for, there was a very popular pagan form of worship that involved getting piercings and tattooing your skin in order to worship uh, dead guys as gods. And the, the, the God of everything is saying, yeah, guys, don't do that. That's what that is right there. So this is an old covenant cultural wisdom kind of thing. Because first of all, if you're just gonna pick and choose that one verse, you better be consent. You can't take the, the tattoo part and leave the ear piercing part of it. But also, a few verses before that in Leviticus, it also says, do not eat meat that has even any traces of blood in it. But that's not because God hates steak, amen? That's because there was no such thing as refrigerators. And people were getting sick and dying. This is a, that's a safety thing. And a few verses later, it says, don't wear clothes made of more than one material. And so I look at that and I think, okay, if you're gonna talk a big no tattoo game, you gotta be consistent and you better not be eating any medium rare filet mignon and you better not be rocking your cotton polyester blend t-shirt. You know what I mean? This is, we have to get, you have to get the context. The Bible is not first and foremost a book of, of rules. It is a story that now for us has a new covenant context. And it's so captivating 
It has been piercing hearts and changing and transforming lives for generations, for thousands of years. The Bible is the story of God. And once again, the more the story of God starts to get in you, the more the words of God will start to mean to you. Amen? The Bible is also real and relevant. It answers the questions that you're asking, that our culture is asking. It doesn't shy away from the highs and lows of the human experience. The Bible doesn't back down from the pains and problems and pleasures of life. I mean, you guys, this book has one main character who's perfect. Everybody else in here is some version of a train wreck. And God still loves them, and God still uses them. I don't know about you, that is fantastic news for me. Let me give you just one of hundreds of examples I could give you. This is King David, who wrote this in Psalm 42. By the way, legend status, David and Goliath David, the man after God's own heart David, that David, this is one of the like many things this guy wrote along this line. He says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Does that sound like a man after God's own heart? Once you know the story, I would say, yep. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? That is so real. Why so disturbed within me? I mean, that's gritty. This is David. So if you've ever felt afraid or angry or depressed or at war with yourself or um, separated from God, like he feels distant, like you've had times where you're crying out to him because you feel like he can't hear you and I don't see God at work in my life. If you've ever had moments or weeks or months or seasons or years where it feels like God is not hearing me and he doesn't see me and he's not listening. If you've ever even doubted that this whole thing is real, well, then you're in good company with pretty much every person in this book. The Bible is not a perfect stained glass picture, church. The Bible is as real and as relatable as it gets. It's also relevant. Romans 12, 2 explains what neuroscientists right now are discovering. I love that. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that's called neuroplasticity. You've probably heard of that, but we just found out that's real. And the Bible, like, we just figured out that our brains are divinely designed to rewire and renew and become healthy again if you start to fill them with truth instead of lies. The Bible knew 2,000 years ago mental health would be a thing. It's got stuff to say about anxiety, about depression, about, about suicide, about money, about love and lust and sex, and we call it irrelevant. I've found most people who say it's outdated haven't read it. I have this conversation all the time, by the way. People say, it's irrelevant. I go, what part? They don't know. I say, well, read it again, man. I, I don't feel like, I feel like this has never been as useful and relevant as it is right now. Did you know hospitals are a thing because followers of Jesus read this book and saw the main character said, go heal the sick. And nonprofits like Compassion International, the Salvation Army, the Red Cross, those things exist because the main character of this book was a Jewish rabbi who was born 2,000 years ago on the other side of the world. And the readers of this book saw that he told the, his followers to see and serve the least of these. Like, that's why, I mean, guys, why do you think we fight so hard for equality and justice? Why do you think we value empathy and kindness in 2022? Because those things just weren't a thing in the ancient world. 
So what happened between then and now? The word became flesh. God put on skin and bone and decided to come to this planet and have dinner with the untouchables and with outcasts and with, with prostitutes and with tax collectors. He, he saw those that society overlooked and in doing so, he gave hope to sinners like me. All the virtues that we value come straight from this book's author, from his heart, man. The Bible is relevant. It explains how we can believe and doubt at the same time. It explains why the world is so messed up and life can still be beautiful. It explains why deep down you know I'm part of something bigger and I was made and born for something greater, something beyond myself. It explains why death just doesn't sit right with us. The Bible explains this already but not yet reality that you and I live in why bad things can still happen, even though Jesus already hung on the cross and said it is finished and won the war and paid the price because the kingdom of heaven is here, but it's not yet here in its entirety, which is why it really seems like there's two narratives going on. Like I turn on the news, it sure seems like things are getting worse. And, and that's because the, the way things currently are, this present age, as scripture would say, is passing away and it's not going quietly and you feel it. But at the same time, it seems like there's this other narrative at play where it seems, it seems the kingdom is getting stronger and the kingdom of heaven is gaining ground. And I know somewhere deep down, no matter how dark things get, that there's a light that shines brighter and that, that good triumphs over evil in the end. Like the Bible explains all of that. It is real, it is relevant. It's the word of God, it's the story of God, it's real and it's relevant. Is this helpful? All right, good. Okay, now I think just as helpful. Three things the Bible is not. The Bible is not a quick fix. This is so important. In Matthew 13, Jesus tells a story about a farmer who sowed some seeds. By the way, the seed is the word of God. And in Matthew 13, five through six, Jesus says, some of it fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they, they withered. Why? Because they had no root. I think a quick fix world makes for a shallow soil kind of generation. Like it, it just does. Because in 2022, who's got time to let roots grow? <laughs> I mean, you ever tried to watch a root grow? You know how slow that is? Like, excuse me, I don't got time to establish roots. I don't, I don't got three months to get in shape. I need the six pack next weekend for my vacation, man. I've got 28 days to do a devotional. Even the, the two-day shipping on my Prime account is starting to feel annoyingly slow. Like, I want it, want it today, man. But you guys, the real fruit, I'm gonna say what Jesus, this is Jesus, the real fruit everybody wants. And I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm talking about that lasting kind of joy and peace. I'm talking about real contentment and fulfillment. I'm, I'm talking about all the stuff you're really trying to buy when you buy all the stuff that you buy. The reason you work so hard to be successful, the reason you exhaust yourself trying to get all of them to think this about you is all for the secret end game of joy and peace and fulfillment and contentment. I've said this before, all the stuff, all the things billionaires are trying to buy but can't. The real fruit you're hungry for that everybody wants, guys, does not have a fast forward button. 
It just, it doesn't. Good foundations are built over time by good fundamentals. Some addictions aren't broken in two weeks. Most marriages don't get fixed with one to two months of marriage counseling. You can Amazon Prime a new Bible to your house. You can't two-day deliver the word of God into your heart. Sometimes revelation takes time. Reading it and speaking it and reading it and speaking it because reading and speaking the word of God over your life eventually, slowly but surely, will begin to activate the promises and power of the word of God within your life. What I'm saying is salvation is immediate. So when you receive Jesus into your heart, heaven forever, that happens by your faith in his grace. It happens like that. But that's the only thing that does. Sanctification, the change that you want, transformation, man, this stuff happens day by day, word by word, prayer by prayer. Life change won't happen because you start a devo. But something will happen if you finish it. Psalm 1, 1 through 3, one of my favorite parts of all scripture. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law. That's the word of God. Meditation leads to revelation, which leads to transformation, which is what we all want. Who meditates on the word of God day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Strong trees don't grow overnight, they grow over time. But just because it doesn't work quick doesn't mean it doesn't work. I tried cardio, didn't work. I tried eating healthy, didn't work. Tried saving money, didn't work. Tried church, didn't work. Tried fasting, got hungry, didn't work. Tried reading the Bible, I read it last Tuesday for 15 minutes, felt nothing, got nothing, woke up the next morning, nothing was, was different, didn't work. No, here's, here's the little 10 second pep talk I think all of us, myself included, need every morning. Here it is. It works, you just gotta work it. It works, you just gotta work it. I'm not surprised you read the Bible once and got nothing and felt nothing, not surprised at all. But I would be shocked if you woke up every morning for 28 days in a row and spent 15 minutes trying to get into the word of God, if by the end of this month you weren't a happier, healthier, humbler, kinder, nicer, like wiser, more complete, peaceful, and joyful, joyful version of yourself than you are, I would, I would be shocked if you didn't become that over 28 days. It's the, the biggest changes everybody wants come from doing the small disciplines nobody wants to do. But when you don't feel it, I mean, that's the key to success in everything, isn't it? Can you do it when you don't feel it? Can you be consistent today when you don't, you're not, you're not wanting to? I mean, guys, I've been at this Jesus following thing now for 14 years. If I only picked up the word of God on days where I wanted to, I mean, I'd have like 4,000 days where I never did. <laughs> I know I'm a pastor, like I'm supposed to wake up every morning in Shekinah glory, just so hungry for this. Uh, this is real life. I'm a real person, that's just, that's just not, sorry if that offends you, I, that's not me, <laughs> it's not your pastor. Um, and I'm not perfect with this by any means, but can you, can you do it when you don't feel it? Can you, 
plant yourself by streams of living water when you don't get to watch roots grow right in front of your eyes. You remain, you stay tapped into the source and you find out firsthand that eventually good foundations are built on, on good fundamentals. And you also find out, number five, the Bible is not just for preachers. I mean, if we can get it, y'all can get it, I'm telling you. If we can get it, anybody can. The catalyst for the Reformation was Gutenberg inventing the printing press back in 1450. Up until then, it was basically priests and preachers that had access to the word of God. Most everybody else was illiterate and scripture was usually chained to the pulpit, which to me sounds like just very fertile ground for manipulation. But today is different. That's not true today. Because you can fact check everything I say up here. Because you have access to something all of history never knew about, Google. And we might as well take it a step further and say, guys, let's just own the fact that we have, you have access to this, because if you don't have one of these, we have one for you. If we run out of them, you have the internet, Amazon, and, uh, and five Barnes and Nobles within a 10 mile radius of wherever you live, okay? You have access to this. And this is not a, a drive-by guilting because nobody started reading this more or developing a stronger relationship with God through his word because they were guilted into it. But man, at the same time, like we gotta own the fact that if you have access to this and you do, and so do I, then we have something that still to this day, millions of followers of Jesus around the world would kill. They'd give anything to be able to have this. And I'm telling you, everything about your faith will start to change. It did for me. When you start reading this for yourself outside of this room on a Sunday, and you realize this is, this is for me. Like, does it have hard to pronounce names? Yeah. Some weird parts? Yeah. Do you need some context to be able to really get it? Yeah. But can you do this? Yes. Are you smart enough? Like, guys, you, you can get this. If you know the, the starting offense for the Broncos or the Cowboys or the Texans, like, you can get the context of Philippians. If you know all the lyrics for T-Swift's Reputation album, if you, if you can follow TV shows like Severance, like you can understand the difference between the old covenant and the new. The two great lies people believe about the Bible, it's too archaic and behind you, it's too academic and beyond you. I'm telling you, just a little bit of effort, like you can do this. You can get this. This is not just for preachers, this is for you. And I would say even more than a privilege to get to read this, it's our responsibility. Ephesians 5, 16, I go, man, let's read it for all of the followers of Jesus right now who can't. Ephesians 5, 16, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. As the days get darker, our callings get more critical. And what an honor it is to be alive at a time when you could get a seminary degree on for, for free just by watching Bible Project videos on YouTube if you wanted to. You could download the Audible app and turn your commute into a university on wheels if you decided to. 
Like it's, it's like the darker the days get, the brighter and brighter we must become, you guys. Psalm 119, 105, you know this. Your word is a lamp for my feet. Your word is, it is a light on my path. Even when things are dark, you have a God who wants to help you. This guides and directs and speaks and corrects, but only when you read it, only when you read it. You keep going in that same Psalm to verse 130. It says, it's, it's the unfolding of your words, not just the existence of them in your house or on your phone. It's the, it's the unfolding, it's the reading, the speaking, the proclaiming, the deactivating, the application of these words that gives light to your life, that gives understanding to the simple. Who are the simple? You're looking at one right here. You break that down in the Hebrew, essentially the simple is just those who are eager, willing, hungry to learn. That's it. As a pastor, as a church planner, especially your dreams and visions kind of change. And I find myself, I've, especially recently, I keep seeing this vision of rooms like this all over our country on Sunday mornings and looking out and seeing a sea of people with Bibles on their laps. Just like, just hungry for it. It's the bread of life. This is my everything. This is the more, un, the more unsturdy things get, this thing, one thing remains, man. It's the message in here. It's not, it's not pages with black ink on it. It's, it's the message, it's the word of God. And I can meet with God through this? Like he wants to sit down and meet with me through this? Like that vision, like that's a church that's dangerous to the devil. That idea, that dream, that sends shivers and shudders down the spine of any darkness that gets a glimpse of that. Why? Because that is a people owning an opportunity to shine brighter and brighter and brighter as the days get darker and darker and darker. And the more we know this book individually, the more we, be, we become a force to be reckoned with corporately. This is not just for preachers, it's for you. And finally, the Bible is not a buffet. And buffets are awesome, okay? Because, I mean, you can take what you want and leave what you don't, but that kind of makes you the chef, which is cool, but what's cooler than you being the chef, call me fancy, having a chef, a personal professional chef who has been to culinary school, who can design a dish and a server that brings you that dinner. I mean, there's not much cooler than a buffet, but that's one of them. What I'm saying is the Bible is not a buffet. It's not designed to take what you want and then leave what you don't. And I like this and I don't like this. And I go, man, I still find myself 14 years in, I'm a pastor, I still do that because I'll read some of it and I'll go, man, in the, right in the moment, it kind of feels like this kind of feels more right. Um, and so let me take this and, and I'll leave that. But then I kind of become the chef and I'm sort of the one designing truth. And then I kind of sit in the seat that God is supposed to be sitting in. And at the end of the day, that, that doesn't, that's not good because I'm not very good at being God. <laughs> Scripture says there's a way that seems right to men and women. It seems so right in the short run, but eventually it leads to death. I'm talking about, man, this is a, a rock to stand on. <laughs> a dish designed by the chef who knows what he's doing, the God beyond us who has all the math figured out at the end of the day. 
The God whose ways and thoughts are as high, like higher than our ways and thoughts. As much as the heavens are higher above the earth, so are his ways and thoughts than ours. He knows what he's doing. And when I just kind of play that role and I, I take this and I leave that and I go, oh man, that part about, that part about giving, no thanks. That part about sex, pff, outdated. Anything about heaven, I'll take it. Anything about hell, forget it. If it's about grace, yes, please. If it's about truth, don't trigger me. But guys, the Bible wasn't written to confirm your beliefs. It was meant to craft them. And you want it that way. I'm telling you, you, even if I'm, I'm rubbing you the wrong way, I'm telling you, you want it that way, you guys. Because what, what sounds better in 2022 than a firm foundation of a rock on which to stand and build your life? The more that, that truth becomes just relevant, it is the sandier the world's foundations become and the more anxious everybody's getting. You can chart it on a graph. Anxiety is just going up because it's, I've got nothing to stand on. It seems like I made whatever this foundation is. And if I made it, how, how trustworthy can it be? I, I've been here for 34 years. He was there before the beginning. God's saying, I have this firm foundation, this rock for you to build your life on. Because we've got to acknowledge we've made this into something of like a Build-A-Bear, Build-A-Bible where you choose, you know, only like, give me the verses that affirm your actions and validate your feelings or endorse your every opinion or decision where God agrees with everything you feel and think and say and do. But I go, man, that's not, that's not the God of this Bible. You can't worship a God you don't revere. <laughs> that's you designing it. You can't worship a God that you're stronger than. That's not the God of the universe. That's not his word. <laughs> so I have to ask you, like, can God disagree with you? And when was the last time he did? Is God free to, to correct and to challenge and redirect you? Because this is not, Christianity is not just about fitting a little bit more God into my life. It's about giving my entire life to this God who wants to do nothing but give to me out of the abundance of, of who he is. This is a North Star that cares about you finding your way. This is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. This is a firm foundation on which you can build your life with confidence. If I know my father and I know my father, then I know that he must have good plans for you. But to tap into those good plans, you gotta take everything. God, give me everything you are and nothing less. I surrender all of it because Jesus is not just a, he's not a supplement here to make my life a little bit better. He is the savior of saviors and hero of heroes who takes my old life completely and gives me a new one in every way you could possibly imagine. Amen. Red Rocks, will you stand? Um, Okay, I'm gonna get super spiritual on you. Do you remember the children's story, the three little pigs and the big bad wolf? Remember the story? Because it's been preaching to me all week where the first pig, he built his house out of straw and the second built his house out of sticks and the big bad wolf came and he huffed and he puffed and he blew those houses down. But the third pig built his house out of brick, built his house out of stone. And that same wolf came and he huffed and he puffed, but as hard as he could try, that house stood strong. That house did not fall. What I'm trying to say, I think you know where I'm going is, guys, the devil is, is real 
He's gonna keep coming, he's not quitting. And there's nothing we can do about that. In fact, the more that, that we get to be part of as a church and making some good noise in this world for Jesus, the more that resistance is just gonna come. And the storms of life, man, they're coming, they're not quitting, we can't do anything about that. But what we can do is equip you to build your house on a firm foundation of the word of God so that you can live from and put your trust in the only kingdom that ever has been or ever will be unshaken, the kingdom of heaven. Red Rocks, this is a Bible. It is the word of God, a lamp to your feet, a light to your path. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of soul and of spirit. It is living and active and breathing. This is a Bible. It is the story of God that has been piercing hearts and changing and transforming lives for thousands of years. This is the Bible. It is real and relevant and answers the questions you're asking and speaks into the stuff that you're going through. This is the Bible. It is better than a quick fix. It's not just for preachers, it's for you. And the more that you give yourself to it, the more the fullness of it, the full counsel of God will become a firm foundation on which you can build your life with conviction and confidence, the word of God. So Holy Spirit, we love you. And as we proclaim truth about your promises, I just pray that the the speaking and reading of the word of God, of your word will start to become more alive in our lives, be activated in our days. I pray that we would begin to feel just this confidence in this firm and sturdy foundation of a rock that we are currently standing on. Though everything else in this world will pass away and every other lowercase kingdom will one day crumble. Our homes, our lives are built on the one foundation that never will, your kingdom and your word. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.